Hey everybody, this is James Lindsay. You are listening to New Discourses Bullets, where I give a short bullet point type summary of a topic you need to understand so that you can understand what's going on with woke Marxism. Today I want to talk about a phrase that you have heard, probably, and if you haven't, you need to hear it, uh, and kind of explain how that works. The phrase is, data is the new oil. I know that's a little strange, but it kind of riffs off of oil as the new gold. So in other words, what does that mean? Oil as a new gold is easy to understand. Oil is extremely valuable. It's something you pull out of the ground, like gold is something extremely valuable that you pull out of the ground. As a matter of fact, gold is so valuable that they based currency off of it. Then oil is so valuable that they based currency off of it. What we now have is sometimes called the petrodollar which is based off of oil, sort of. So data is a new oil, continues this progression. The problem is that there's not ground that you're pulling the data out of. I mean, sometimes there are examples, but the idea is that data is something that's mineable, that can be pulled out of the environment, and that it's so valuable that it could actually be used as the basis of a new currency or the basis of our old currencies re, you know, reinvented or, I don't know, reset to something else. And so data is the new oil is a very important concept to understand in the present environment. And it makes sense of a lot of the things that are happening. And it needs to be explained. Um, how do you get data, say, out of the ground? Here's a story that should make you uncomfortable, and it's, it, it, it helps you understand this recently came out. There was a nice expose written. I'd have to find it. If I can find it, I'll share it in the notes. It's about John Deere. John Deere tractors. It turns out when you buy one now, you don't own it. You're leasing it, even though it costs you hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the John Deere tractor is equipped with all kinds of very sensitive equipment, very sensitive sensors on the bottom of it, on the tires. On, I don't know how it works. doesn't matter how it works. But it gathers an immense amount of data, see it's mining data, out of the soil. It can judge lots of things about soil quality, the water content, the mineral contents of different types, lots of different things. And from what I understand, it can make a square centimeter by square centimeter grid of your entire farm in terms of water, mineral quality, other things that are of interest and need to the farmer. And you think, wow, that's really valuable. The farmer can log into his John Deere account. That data is gathered by the tractor. It's uploaded to the server. And the farmer can log into the account and see a centimeter by centimeter grid of his whole farm. Say, this spot's dry. This spot needs, you know, potash. This spot needs copper or whatever it happens to be. And he can go target whether it's water, fertilizer, minerals, whatever it is, according to, and I'm just riffing. I don't know specifically other than water content and some some other things that the, I don't know specifically which minerals it can detect and not. Soil density, so the soil needs to be broken up. That's one of the things that the tires can feel, so to speak. And so this data is very valuable to the farmer. He can do a much better job of targeting his farm to make it, uh, you know, better crops. That's awesome. That's stuff we want. But John Deere profits off of taking the data and not only providing it to the farmer so that he's more interested in having a, one of these high-tech John Deere tractors that he would buy, but by selling that data to futures traders who are going to make forecasts about how much the farmers are going to be able to produce of various crops, often betting against the farmers on the market. That's the kind of thing 
that we're talking about when we say that data is the new oil. So John Deere's mining that data out of the farms, literally by the farmers' activities, driving on their farm, managing their farm, etc. They're mining that data. But then that data is being sold at a profit to John Deere to speculators who are going to then figure out how to um, manage the price and the value of agricultural products in the future by betting on them based on the data that they're crunching. Now, you could say that this makes the economy more efficient, but you can also be slightly horrified. But at the end of the day, they sure, they're, they're betting against farmers based off of the farmer's own work over the piece of equipment, expensive equipment the farmer paid for but does not own. But this is about farms. This is about the economy, blah, blah, blah. This is where you have to understand the amount of data mining that's happening of you, the data mining that's happening of your children in school through programs like social and emotional learning. Everything you read about social-emotional learning, virtually everything, says the same thing, is that they don't have enough data to really know how to make this work. Social-emotional learning gathers immense amount of data, amounts of data. They, they survey kids. They talk about using wearable tech. They talk about using cameras. They talk about making AI friends. They talk about reading their uh, activities on their devices. Everything you type on your cell phone or your iPad and everything you text, every keyboard stroke you make, including the stuff you delete, is all being recorded, is all being stored in servers, and can all be combed through. Now, what on earth could you do with that data? Well, if we read this paper that I've talked about on the New Discourses podcast before, and I've given some talks about by Ben Williamson, which is titled Psychodata uh, from 2019, he's very clear that what you can do with that data is that you can erect lots of different structures. You can make, for example, highly efficient algorithms that enable highly efficient marketing to people. You can predict what kinds of things they'd be interested in being advertised to uh, and when they would based on, you know, say if they're wearing one of those heart rate monitors that's gathering data, your Apple Watch or whatever, um, it's gathering biometric data off of you. They can make inferences about your mood, about your attitude. And so you're in the kind of mood where, you know, you're interested in buying a big ticket item and that's the kind of ads you get. You're in the kind of mood where you're going to need food. So that's the kind of ads you get. You're in the mood where, you know, whatever, these kinds of things. And these things are pretty predictive in what they can infer. I have a friend, and I know this is a little PG-13, who told me with great humor that her uh, watch, whichever brand it was, told her that the, the number two reason that she lost sleep in 2021 was because she was masturbating. She never told her watch she was doing that. It inferred she was doing that from whatever it was reading off of her body. And so if that can correlate to purchasing decisions or whatever, then the algorithm can get to know you better and better and better and advertise to you. But this isn't all it can do. It can also make advanced psychometric profiles of you. It can take your your, your big five, not by reading your heart rate, but by having you fill out these surveys, these quizzes. What kind of crystal are you? What kind of power are you? All these kind of little narcissistic quizzes that people like to take. They can start to build out a, those, those are actually, those are actually psychological inventories hiding as other things. And each one is very small. They take five minutes, but if you fill out, say 500 of them, you've now filled out quite the battery of psychological inventory questions. And they can make pretty good and this is a World Economic Forum brags about this, they can make pretty good, pretty granular um, models of your psychology, not just involving the big five personality traits, the ocean model, as it's called, openness, neuroticism, I don't know, conscientiousness, I can't remember all of them, 
extroversion. Uh, I've left one out, and I guess it's the A. Um, whatever they stand for. They can make this, but even they say more granular than the ocean traits into, into other psychological profiling uh, variables that they can define that are really useful for marketing. As Ben Williamson puts it in the Psychodata paper, as a matter of fact, what it allows them to make is both a perfectly manipulable and a perfectly forecastable economic system. And now that John Deere story seems a little creepier, except now we're not mining the farm, we're mining you and your children. Williamson points to another big concern with the data mining as well, which the psychodata, which is that it also enables for governments to turn this around. And, you know, if they can advertise to you for a product, they can also advertise to you for political positions or political candidates. They can tailor your algorithms on your social media or your search engine feeds to provide you the information that you, that they want you to know, making it look like you're getting the information that you want. They can actually create kind of, we've talked about echo chambers on social media. They can create the echo chamber, the informational echo chamber, the social echo chamber that bounces back to you exactly what they think they, you need to hear in order to believe and act the way that they want you to believe and act. Now that's scary. Maybe they can't do that today, but they will be able to do that in the future. And this is what Ben Williamson is warning about. Perfectly nudgeable consumers, perfectly forecastable economics, perfectly controllable populations. It also forms the basis of a social credit system. They have to know who you are and how you're going to behave and what the limitations on your behavior are, etc., to build a robust social credit system. Well, they need lots of data to do that. They also need data to update all these algorithms to make them effective. So it turns out that those algorithms of control, economic and, and social and political control, are extremely valuable. But what they need to be of any use at all, any value at all, is lots of data. And that doesn't change. They need lots of data today, but they're going to need lots of data next year. They're going to need lots of data in 10 years. Data becomes this resource that they can mine out of people through social behavior that they're monitoring and tracking, through interactions online, through things that you fill out, surveys that maybe you're going to be required. You get plus one on your social credit this month if you fill out you know, however many extra surveys, because they need that data. And maybe they turn around and they say, well, the petrodollar is dead. The gold standard dollar is dead. We need a new standard for the dollar. And we could talk about all of these central bank digital currencies, these other digital currencies that allegedly are based off of energy consumption in order to validate the blockchain. But what's really valuable to the regimes that will be running the world isn't just the energy input to produce and validate the blockchain, which they could decide to change their own rules and build a nuclear plant and do. What's actually more valuable and more important to them is to have the information to build the algorithms to control society the way they want to keep society controlled. To build, imagine the CC, it sounds far-fetched, but imagine the CCP doing this, and then all of a sudden it doesn't sound far-fetched at all. In fact, you can be pretty sure it's already happening. Okay, so that means your data how you react to things, there's a news story, something bad happens, a calamity occurs, maybe it's real, maybe it's fake, Hurricane Ian, maybe it's, uh, you know, 
a, a high profile murder. Maybe there's, you know, a, a cyber attack. Maybe there's a bio weapon attack. Maybe there's a nuclear attack. How do people react? They want to know how people react in, in these circumstances. How do you get people to move off of the farm and sell their farmland to say Bill Gates and get them onto into a smart city? They need that kind of data all the time. What do people need to buy? What do they it, what do people need to live so they can own nothing and be happy? That kind of data is very, very valuable. And so they can actually base your access to a, say, uh, universal basic income and how much universal basic income you have that's contoured in value through your social credit system if they have enough data. So your data becomes a justification to determine your quality of life, which is determined through how much of the central bank digital currency you give them, which is determined through how much information you give the regime in order to make you and other people more controllable economically and socially. So when you hear that data is a new oil, this isn't just a cute aphorism that data is valuable, that we're really interested in data, that we have all these tools of data analytics. It's not just that. There's a lot more going on behind that. There's a lot of this happening that we're not talking about. That nobody, You didn't vote for any of this stuff. You're not going to get the chance to vote for any of this stuff. This is just going to be imposed on you like it was imposed in China. Granted, China is a different political system, but they were running a social credit system for possibly as long as three years before anybody knew they were running one. Are we, are we running one here in the West? Well, we have one for corporations already called their ESG score. Are we going to environmental social governance uh, scoring metrics? Are we going to run one for individuals? Are we running one for individuals? Why are they data mining the kids? Well, one of the reasons they're data mining the kids is to build the social emotional learning programs in such a way that the social emotional learning program will be perfectly optimal to make the kids fit into the society that they're trying to build using the data that they're gathering off of the kids. They know who the kids are. They know what they're suited to do. They know how they can be molded and nudged. And they know exactly what kind of a shape of a world they want to build or something like the shape of the world that they want to build and fit those kids into it. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. All of this data gathering should make you very uneasy, very, very upset. And it should be something that we should be talking about all the time with our legislators, with our political leaders, with one another. It should be a top issue that we need data privacy in a way that we don't even realize yet. Um, and that cute aphorism, data is a new oil that you hear sometimes, encapsulates the whole story. So I hope this has been informative and I'll catch you next time.